People can say that they're truly ready for love, but they don't know that their dysregulated nervous system patterns and their core wounds and their negative cognitive beliefs are kind of running the show. To know that you are deeply worthy is a magnet for a partner. And you'll be able to tell because they will come in from nowhere. They'll start to come in in troves and you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? Right? And when we talk about, without getting too woo-woo, when we talk about your reality is a reflection of your most predominant frequency. If you are vibrating in the space of worthiness and the space of acceptance and compassion and kindness and love for yourself, you automatically become a magnet for someone who feels the same way about themselves. Until we can kind of recognize our wounds for what they are and learn to regulate them, it will still feel like the breadcrumbing and the ghosting is about us. When in essence, it's actually about him. It's not about you, it's about him. He's emotionally unavailable and unable to commit to you. And or he doesn't feel worthy enough to use his voice to tell you that you're just not in alignment with what he wants and you're making it about you. My name's Mimi Bouchard, founder of Superhuman, the transformational app that helps you become your future self so that you can finally start attracting more joy, abundance, health, wealth, and love into your life. And that's also my mission on this podcast. Meet people whose lives have been transformed in big and small ways, but always for the better. They tell me how they did it so that you can too. Today on the podcast, all about love. From wanting love to finding love to losing it and keeping it with relationship coach extraordinaire, Lauren Zoller. All right, Lauren, how are you doing today? I'm so good. So, so good. I'm excited to be here. Great. I'm so excited to be here with you as well. My first question for you is what qualifies someone to be a love and relationship coach? So it's so funny because in part of my spiel, when I speak on stage, I always say, you know, I don't think anybody grows up saying, I really want to be a love and relationship coach. I'm really excited about that. And what I'll say is that, of course, I have a bunch of, you know, letters after my name and I've done a lot of work in somatic experiencing and guide my clients through trauma work. But truly what led me into the space of being a dating and relationship coach came from my own complete disastrous journey <laughs> navigating the dating and relationship world. I say it's a fun one now, but it wasn't fun when it was actually happening and that I had a track record of dating alcoholics. And I'm proud, but I'm also not so proud of this statistic that I dated six of them in a row. And I know, I know. It was my go-to. I felt really comfortable saving men in relationships. And it, even though I grew up in a quote unquote healthy household, both of my parents are still married for 40 years. They gave me love and affection. I still had developed this dysregulation in my nervous system to feel like I was only worthy of receiving love when I was saving someone else. Because if I could save someone else, then that meant that I saved them and I was worthy of being cared for and loved. So until I really understood the language of the nervous system and I went through years of therapy and went through a multitude of horrible relationships, I wasn't able to truly shift that pattern inside of my body and inside of my cognitive awareness. And once I did that, I was able to find my first healthy relationship in my early 30s, which is a lot of time on earth being in unhealthy relationships. And in that moment, once I was able to shift that for myself, I said, you know what? My growth journey has been through the lens of relationships. And I want women to be able to feel healthy love. I want them to know that love doesn't have to feel like hard work. And you can find a relationship where you get to have it all. And that's what led me into this space. And now I've dedicated my life to helping women find that for themselves. How incredible is that? I love that story, but I want to bring it back quickly. How did you get off that track of dating alcoholics and the bad boys? Yeah. So I went through years and years of traditional therapy. And I always tell people when I tell my story, 
If you knew me eight and a half years ago, I was living the epitome of a highlight reel, truly. Like I was traveling the world. I was really successful in my coaching practice. I had this beautiful, I called him my Kindle. I had this beautiful Kindle that was traveling with me. And I was doing all the things that we as personal development, high achieving individuals are taught to do. I was reading one personal development book every single month. I was I had a whole team of coaches and therapists. I was doing my morning routine. I was reciting my affirmations in the mirror every day. And regardless of all this, I was still dating at that time an alcoholic. And internally, my inside didn't match what was happening on the outside. Nobody knew that because I put on a fantastic facade, which is 90% of social media, right? And I had one day that changed everything for me. And this entire facade that I had built for myself, in essence, it came crashing down. And it came crashing down in a matter of less than 24 hours with three back-to-back phone calls. And the first phone call I received was from my Kendall boyfriend at the time, his mother, calling to let me know that he was checking himself into rehab for the sixth time that year. The second call that I received came from my accountant letting me know that my seemingly booming business was 30K in the red. And he had no idea how we were going to crawl out because I was spending money just as quick as it was coming in. And the third call came from my doctor calling to let me know that a biopsy I had taken earlier that week had come back as potential cancer. So the reason that I tell this story is to answer your question about how that shifted for me was that I had been doing all of this cognitive work, right? I was in therapy. I was, I had three coaches at the time. I was doing all the things that we were supposed, that we were told to do as high performing individuals. And yet my body, my nervous system was still operating in a baseline of safety. So when my whole world came crashing down, I had a dear friend who had just started seeing a somatic therapist. And she said, you know, you've tried everything. You've done EMDR, you've done CBT, you have all of these personal development coaches. Maybe you should try somatic therapy because it's different. It's therapy of the nervous system. And long story short, started diving in with a somatic therapist, started learning the language of my nervous system, started understanding my survival responses and how to access safety. And the result was eight months later, I found my first healthy partnership at 30. I took my business from 30K in the red to making 30K in less than three weeks. (laughs) And I eradicated my cancer scare. So somatic experiencing and somatic therapy changed everything for me. And that's how I shifted finally my pattern of dating alcoholics. That's incredible. And and what a crazy story. Those three phone calls happened in the span of 24 hours. Wow. It's like the universe wanted just to shake you, you know, that's so Mm -hmm. incredible how you got yourself out of that. I'm so inspired and bringing it back to your current situation. You posted something recently about how your current love was worth the wait. Tell me everything on here. So, gosh, I'm 35 now, and my boyfriend, Sean, is 40, and we both have poured so much time into ourselves, even prior prior to meeting one another, obviously. We continue to pour into ourselves now. But even when I started attracting healthy partnership at 30, right, I had some really wonderful boyfriends who were really healthy. And I preach this to all of my clients and I always say this and they don't believe me, but I always say you get to have it all, but you only get to have it all when you are crystal clear on exactly what it is that you deeply desire in partnership. And I'll tell you, Mimi, I preached this for years and years and years. And I was in relationships with men who didn't really meet all of my non-negotiables and didn't really meet everything that I had on my dream partner list. 
But deep down inside, I had this little voice that kept saying to me, you know, Lauren, you get to have it all. And there were several times, I always tell this story that the man that I dated right before I met my now partner, Sean, he was a wonderful man. He is a wonderful man. And there was only one little thing. He wasn't sure if he wanted children. And that was something that deep in my heart, I know I really want kids. And I see so many women who settle. They settle for maybe that tiny little thing that's not checked off on their list. And what I mean by he was worth the wait was that I was 34 years old with a man who could have given me everything that I wanted with the potential of maybe having children. And I was more committed to knowing that I get to have it all, that I ended that partnership and said, I love you, but I also know what I'm dedicated to. And if I have to wait 10 more years to find that, I will. And so once I was really clear and I stayed committed to everything that was on my list, and I said no to that thing that was almost everything that I wanted, Sean fell in. He came in and Sean is everything on my list. There is nothing that that man doesn't exude. He's everything that I thought he would be in more. And so that's when I say he's worth the wait. Like this is my, my calling to women out there who are just like, is it possible? It's 1000% possible, but sometimes you have to wait for it and be rooted in what it is that you actually desire. That has to be a deeper commitment for you. Mm. And I will say too, as I think about my personal experience with my fiance, I always thought that love was supposed to be this movie moment type of thing. You meet and you're like, you know, just completely sure, 100% sure. And it just gets better and better and better. And you just, it's all like movies, right? Whereas in my current relationship, it's only ever just improved with time. At the beginning, I didn't, when I first met him, I didn't know we'd end up getting married. I didn't know. Whereas it's so interesting because I thought it was supposed to be one way, but it ended up being another. So I will say from my personal experience, I also allowed the relationship to grow into what it is now. Like we've created this soulmate-ness with, within both of us. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, we have the same wants and needs. Like we want children. Like we, so we didn't have anything off when it comes to the like basics of what both of us needed in a relationship. But I definitely had moments at the beginning, you know, and he did too, I'm sure of, of doubts of, is this my forever person? And I also do just would love to hear your opinion on this. If someone is saying, is listening right now and they're thinking, Oh my God, what if I leave this current partnership? Cause it's not perfect. And I can find someone else. But what if all they need is really just to work on that relationship too? Yeah. And the key point of what you just said, Mimi, was that the core fundamentals were there. And I I call these your non-negotiables, right? And if we look at my past relationship prior to Sean, I had a really big non-negotiable that was not being met, a core fundamental that wasn't being met. Even when we look at values, right? Like growth is a huge value to me. That wasn't necessarily met. It was important to him, but it wasn't like a top five value for him. So the first thing I'll say is if you're in this position, get really clear on your non-negotiables and your fundamentals and get clear on your values. And if those aren't being met, that's your sign that you may need to move forward, right? Because those things, they could shift and change over time, but chances are they're probably not going to, right? Mm -hmm. And if that's all we get, then what you said is so beautifully constructed. It's a commitment to growth and it's Mm -hmm. being able to look at each other and say, you know what? We have the core fundamentals there. We have the core values there and we're also building a relationship together. And so it's not always, even with Sean and I, it's not always going to be a walk in the park. You're going to disagree and you're going to have different views on certain things, but If those core values and if those core fundamentals and non-negotiables are there, you know that the foundation is solid Mm. and where you can start to grow into, okay, am I willing to kind of ride the wave with this person? Because that's what a relationship is. It's the ebb and the flow. So, and what I've noticed Mimi too, is that most people 
they're not really clear on their values and their non-negotiables. They've never sat down to, to really identify those. And you've got to do that in relationships. You have to. An amazing, tangible piece of advice right there. Maybe I'll do a writing meditation all about that. That's actually a really awesome exercise for anyone. All right. So in this podcast, I want to break down the conversation into four parts. Number one, wanting love. Number two, finding love. Number three, losing it. And number four, keeping it. Step one, (laughs) wanting love. How do you know when you're ready for love? And I'm talking real love. Yeah. So this is funny because we are actually getting ready to release a quiz. (laughs) So if you go to my Instagram page, you can take this free quiz and it talks about, are you ready for healthy love? And you can answer questions. I'll say this. That's a little bit of a difficult question because people can say that they're truly ready for love, but they don't know that their dysregulated nervous system patterns and their core wounds and their negative cognitive beliefs are kind of running the show. So this is what I'll say. If you are ready to take radical responsibility for everything that shows up for you in your dating life, which means if you attract a bunch of men or women who just suddenly ghost you and run away, if you are in the space of saying, these people are horrible, all men suck, all women suck, the dating apps are horrible, matchmakers don't work. If you're in that space of being the victim, you're not truly ready to date and be in healthy partnerships. Now, if you're in the space of understanding that whatever's coming into you in the dating world truly is an internal reflection of you and you're able to say, okay, so I've got a lot of men and women who are coming in and they're not committing and they're ghosting. What is this saying about me? Where am I not committing to myself? Right? Where am I not fully for me? If you're willing to do that and be in the space of radical responsibility you're in a place where you're ready. You're ready to take on love because when you step into a relationship, and I'm sure Mimi that you can vouch for this, you will recognize that your partner is a mirror of you and vice versa. And so if you don't know how to practice really looking at when something happens with them, in essence, it's happening with you, you're going to constantly self-sabotage and never be happy in partnership. What about the apps? Are they wrecking dating and love? (laughs) I don't think so. I really don't think so. I don't think, I say this all the time, the apps aren't the problem. What you're doing is not the issue. Who you are being is the issue. So if you truly think, and this is the way that I believe, that our reality is a reflection of our most predominant frequency, If you are sitting around saying that dating apps don't work and they're horrible and there's no good men or women on the dating apps, that's what you're going to be met with. And that's coming from a deep internal wound that doesn't actually believe that you are worthy of receiving the love you desire and that the person is out there for you somewhere. And so that's the frequency you're vibrating in and that's what you're being given. So I don't actually think the apps are broken at all. In fact, I've had several really amazing relationships that were built on a dating app. We found each other on a dating app. I just think I met that it's... my fiance on a dating app. <laughs> See? Yeah. yeah. Like they're amazing. I don't think it's the apps. I think that's a victim mentality. And it's more about the person using the dating app than it is about the app itself. I'm so aligned with everything you just said, by the way. Very, very aligned all about your energy and the frequency that you are giving out and the apps can be a tool whether you want to use it in a way that aligns with your future self or in a way that does not Mm -hmm. so I'm hearing this message over and over again heal your trauma heal your trauma do you do this before you go looking for love and how do you do it surely you can't be only perfect to, to start looking for love right no you don't You do not need to heal your trauma in order to find love. And in fact, I'll say that you'll never fully heal your trauma ever, like whether you're in partnership or not in partnership. But I will say that when you start to turn the magnifying glass back on yourself and you start to understand your survival patterns, it will only make dating easier. 
dating was really difficult for me because I was perpetually playing out this survival response of, we call it the fawn survival response of needing to people please, needing to have external validation to feel whole. And so no matter what I did, I used to have a joke with my mom that if there was an alcoholic within a mile radius, he would find his way to me. It's not that he was finding his way to me. It's that that was the vibration I was putting out. And that was the survival response I was living in. So in essence, I was subconsciously seeking it out. So you don't have to be quote unquote healed in order to find love. But what trauma work does is it helps shine a light on the patterns that you're repeating in the dating world. And that's only going to help you attract someone who really is in alignment with what you want. And again, some of us get in relationships when we're young or when we have done no trauma work and we do that trauma work inside of the relationship with one another, both individually and together collectively. As long as you're committing yourself to the work at some point in your life, then your life's going to shift. doesn't matter if you're in relationship or not. Yeah. All right. So this is quite a tough issue. <laughs> Why does it seem like it's really hard for a successful and driven woman to find a partner, or is this a myth? Oh, it is not a myth. It's not a myth at all. And I'll say we could go a couple ways with this without getting too much into masculine and feminine polarity. Most women have become successful because this is so deep, Mimi. We could spend an entire, we, honestly, we could spend an entire podcast on just this, but they wear the successful hat because they don't have a strong masculine presence to support them and hold space for them. And when we're talking about masculine and feminine polarity, the masculine really does contain, it is there to protect and provide. Whereas the feminine is there to receive and surrender. And the two of those together create beautiful polarity that can honestly create magic in the world. But so many women have stepped so far into their masculine. And again, when we speak about masculine and feminine, I'm not talking about men and women because we all have masculine and feminine polarity within us. But there are so many women who feel unsafe and being provided for. So they naturally, as a response to trauma, step more into their masculine to protect and provide for themselves. And they create the success. And then they get to a certain point in their life when they have success and they're like, yeah, but I really want a partner. And what happens is that they go out and they start dating and they're so in their masculine that there's no space for the masculine to actually step into their life. So they end up attracting all of these men who are couch potatoes or who can't really handle the success that they've had, or they're basically in their feminine, they're in the opposite direction. And so it causes the, the woman in her masculine to go even further into her masculine, strive for more success, work longer hours, create a new product, create a new coaching stream, right? And so when we're looking at why successful women are having such a hard time finding love, it's because they haven't learned how to re-soften into their feminine to create space for the masculine to appear and feel welcomed. And that's truly what I think is the issue with successful women is we've got to learn how to soften into our feminine again. But so many of them have fought so hard for their independence and self-resilience and, and reliance. How would you tell these women that they have to let go of control and soften in order to date? Yeah. This is probably not what they're going to want to hear. But when you go into your, your masculine achievement mode, in essence, it's a trauma response. It is a survival response because you need to survive. There's no one there to protect and provide for you. you got to do it on your own. So most women go into fight flight and they work ridiculous hours and they stay really busy so that they can achieve more. And until they go back and look at that dysregulation in their nervous system and learn how to regulate that response, to be able to step into safety surrounding their career and surrounding their success, 
again, they're going to be attracting out of that space of dysregulation. So what I would suggest doing is start to get real with yourself. Where did the moment that you felt like you needed to prove yourself through your work begin? Where did it surely, start? yeah, but surely there are, like, I like to think that I'm trying to be a balanced masculine and feminine person <laughs> in business, um, or I guess woman in business. Tell me what a successful, hardworking woman with balanced energy looks like. So for me, it looks like having ample space and time to surrender throughout the day. So I know, I'll give you an example. My boyfriend can sit in back-to-back meetings all day long and then go and like run 10 miles and come back and be totally balanced, right? And I know a lot of women who are successful who are doing that very same thing and it's wreaking havoc on their nervous system because we are not designed in our feminine to do that. So for me, it looks like not starting calls until 10 o'clock in the morning and getting up and having a really nice, juicy, surrendered morning, right? I do my morning pages. I meditate. I go to yoga sometimes. I call my girlfriends. Sometimes I just lay around in bed and have you know a couple extra minutes with my coffee and my cat. I really practice surrendering in the morning. Also, during the day, I have a buffer. I have a 45-minute buffer in between each one of my calls where I completely deactivate and decompress so that I know I can step into the next meeting from a space of surrender and really feeling grounded. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be able to find that balance and also know and be okay with the feminine needs more space. We need creativity. We just, we need it. And so if you're stacking your days and only working in the achievement space, there's not going to be that sense of true surrender and you'll feel it. You will feel it in your business. I promise. I can absolutely see that in my own life. Uh, We can't be go, go, go from 7am to 7pm and I know when I, well, I can do it, but I don't feel good doing it. And I burn out when I do that very often. So I I absolutely agree with you. That's such a great way to explain it. Shall we move on to step two, finding love? Let's do it. All right. So how do you become someone who is pursued? Ooh. So I would say having an unshakable thirst for your own self-worth and truly knowing that you are worthy of receiving everything that you desire. And that is hard. It's hard and it's not impossible. It truly is not impossible. But when you know that you are worthy, when you like truly deeply know, and I, I say this with caution because Mimi, I used to hear people say it and it's like I would shake my head, but I, I didn't really know. I couldn't embody what they were speaking about. And now that I do, and like I can feel it, I understand it. But to know that you are deeply worthy is a magnet for a partner. And you'll be able to tell because they will come in from nowhere. They'll start to come in in troves. And you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? Right? And when we talk about, without getting too woo-woo, When we talk about your reality is a reflection of your most predominant frequency. If you are vibrating in the space of worthiness and the space of acceptance and compassion and kindness and love for yourself, you automatically become a magnet for someone who feels the same way about themselves. So to be pursued takes, again, unshakable worth, truly knowing your worth, which means not settling for less than you desire not hanging on to that guy that could be the one he has potential, right? It's saying I'm worth more than this and I'm going to claim it. That's what makes somebody want to pursue you. All right, let's take a quick break so I can tell you about one of my favorite health hacks, 
I am obsessed with how Organifi makes it so easy to figure out what you need based off of your goal. On their website, they literally have a shop by goal tab so you can find the products that will help you with your specific goals. So whether you want weight management, sleep improvement, energy, general wellness, or even brain health, you can go to their website and they can show you what will help. Organifi's products are pretty darn incredible. The quality of the ingredients that they use, they're 100% organic. And the fact that their products genuinely taste incredible is why I have been a consumer of their products for about three years now, very consistently. It is one of my favorite health hacks and my favorite products from Organifi is the green juice I have in the morning. Try the crisp apple flavor. It is so freaking good. I also use their vegan vanilla and chocolate protein powders delicious. I am obsessed with their glow drink. It is this new skin collagen boosting drink that tastes like raspberry lemonade. And you guys know I'm absolutely hooked on their healthy hot chocolate called Organifi Gold. And this is so freaking good. I literally have it at least five times a week and it curbs my sweet tooth craving at night after dinner. And it just tastes like a delicious adaptogenic healthy hot chocolate. I can't get enough of it. Those are just a few of the incredible products that Organifi offers. So if you guys want to go check it out, head to www.organifi.com forward slash Mimi. That is Organifi spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Mimi. And then use the code Mimi at checkout for 20% off absolutely anything on their website, including sale items. This is a massive discount. The quality of their products is so incredibly high and you're getting a great deal if you take advantage of that offer. So go check it out. Let me know how you enjoy their products and let's get back to the episode. Where other than the apps, do you suggest any other place someone could meet a potential partner? Yes. So my favorite way to tell people to do this is, and this is a great exercise. If anybody's listening, sit down and think about your dream partner. If nothing was an obstacle. What type of man or woman would you want in your life? And then ask yourself a question, where does this person hang out? What do they do? For me, because growth was such a strong value, I knew that I was probably going to meet my partner through an avenue associated with personal growth. Because that's where I spend the majority of my time. And I also want him to spend a lot of his time there. And so I started leading masterminds and joining masterminds and speaking on stages and kind of hanging out in places where the man that I really wanted to spend my life with would potentially be. And long story short, my partner went to a mastermind at an island where I had run a retreat and we had both, I had a dear friend that lived in Nashville who he ended up meeting on that island and they introduced us to one another. And it was exactly the way that I thought it would happen. So If the dating apps aren't working, get curious about what this person would do. Would they play volleyball on Wednesday nights, right? Is sports and being active something that's exciting to you and where you would want to meet somebody? Then go do those things and put yourself in those environments. That's an amazing tip and and even just visualizing that person and where they go and, and how they act. It's such a great clarity exercise. Sometimes it can be so confusing when you don't even know where to start and you're looking for a partner. So when you start seeing someone, do you have any rules when it comes to how quickly you sleep with them or, you know, any kind of beginning stage dating tips or rules? (laughs) Yes, I do. So I always tell my clients that you should not sleep with someone for 60 to 90 days. Now, people's eyes get really big and they're like, Oh my gosh. And I also know we're human and that doesn't necessarily happen. (laughs) But I will say that if we're looking at your body's chemical makeup, when it comes to hormones, okay. The oxytocin and all of these love bonding hormones tend to wear off after about day 30. It's just the way that it works. Right. And what happens is that if you shut down your emotions, Your body, especially if you're between the ages of 20 and 40, your body is wanting to reproduce because we are at our core animals. Okay. Now, the problem with this is that 
when you sleep with someone, your hormones don't have a, this is a good person and this is not a good person meter. Your hormones say, oh, this is a person that I could potentially reproduce with. So you add a layer of attachment when you sleep with someone, whether you want to believe it or not. Your body naturally is saying, oh, this could be a potential match for me to sleep or for me to reproduce with this person. And so you bond, you chemically bond with that person. Now, if you wait 30 days, that initial hormone tends to wear off. So I always say, like, get to know someone, truly get to know them, get to know their heart and wait 60 to 90 days. And if someone pressures you, if they're like, you're at day 20 and they're pressuring you, and that tells you a lot about that person because the right man or woman truly will respect you and respect your boundaries. I also say too that you want to make sure that this person can make you feel safe, seen, and heard at all times, right? And having that conversation around commitment and being so clear around both of you wanting the commitment with one another is extremely important to have within the first 30 days. Put it all out on the table because that's what you deserve. And truly, if you're if you're dating with intention, you want to know that early on. A question just came to mind. A lot of women listening that might be single are limiting drinking alcohol these days. It's really just become a movement. A lot of us not wanting to drink that much, but it's difficult when you're single and you're in the dating scene because what else do you do? You go for a drink when you meet someone. Any tips <laughs> in that regard? I mean, I'm a fan for coffee dates. Here's why. Even outside of like dinners and drink dates, a coffee date is perfect. You get to see how somebody interacts in their day to day. And again, anybody can get away for 30 minutes on a lunch break. Also, because you're meeting during the day for coffee, most people aren't going to meet for a coffee date for three hours. So you get to have that initial time frame with them to know, okay, you know what? I'm interested in having this go to a second date or I'm not. And either way, you're not dedicated to being there for an extended period of time. Whereas drink dates and dinner dates can tend to go, there's just like this natural, I don't know, inclination that you have to be there for several hours. So I always say coffee dates or walks in the park, like go for a walk in the park and then just be done. Right. That's, that's my two cents on how to get around the drinking. But if you do have a date where you are getting drinks, get seltzer and, you know, a splash of lime and call it a day. And if somebody has an issue with that, again, that's telling you a lot about that person. What are some of the red flags you see in the beginning stages of dating? Yeah. Men who do not commit to setting a date to meet. I always tell the women that I work with, if a man has not set a date with you within 24 hours of initial contact, huge red flag. Because 24 hours, yeah. 24 hours, right? What are you, I mean, and it depends. Are you dating with intention or are you dating just because you want to date? And that's the real question that you have to ask yourself. Are you truly ready to date with intention and to date with a potential long-term partner in mind? If you are, then claim your worth. You do not have time to sit around and wait for a guy to choose you, right? So That would be a huge red flag is if a man within 24 hours doesn't set a first date with you, it's a no-go. It's a red flag because he's probably not committing in other areas of his life. Another red flag would be no follow-up after a date, right? And I, I say this all the time. If a man or a woman is not making you a priority, you're not a priority. And oftentimes that's hard to hear. But a man or a woman who truly is ready for partnership you're going to know it. Nothing's going to stop them from making you a priority in their life. And that goes for anything, right? In life, if it's important enough to you, you're going to make it important. The third one, and this will be the last one that I, that I talk about. I posted a video about this and it went viral because it's such a unpopular opinion. (laughs) But if you've been with someone, let's say you're going on the fourth or fifth date and you are still having pretty intense butterflies with this person. 
that's a red flag. It's a red flag Why? because your body, if we're looking at it from a nervous system perspective, a small amount of butterflies, excitement, like, oh my gosh, I'm on my way to go see him at this date and I'm excited. Okay. Totally different. But if the butterflies continue when you see him throughout the entire date and they continue all the way until the date is over, this is your nervous system giving your body a signal that something isn't safe. We get butterflies because we go into what's called sympathetic charge. We go into fight flight. And it's normal for our nervous system to ride this tiny little roller coaster of feeling excitement, but then it dissipates and we regulate. When someone's feeling butterflies, when they're with someone the entire time, we're teetering that line of chaos where there's something either inside of you or about this person that's not necessarily safe. It's either rubbing up against a trigger that you may need to look at, or this person could potentially be bad news and you're not listening to your body. So this is another way to look for a, a red flag if you've been with dating someone for about date four or five. Wow, that's so interesting. I'm trying to think back to when I was first dating Ben six years ago. I remember I had butterflies for a while and I was also quite insecure at the time. So maybe it had just everything to do with me because he's definitely not bad news. But I definitely had butterflies even every time he would text me for the first two months at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we have to look at the term red flag too, because sometimes a red flag doesn't mean that that person's a red flag. Mm -hmm. It means that there's a red flag waving in front of your face that has to do with you. So even with you, Mimi, that those butterflies and that dysregulation was coming from something in you that you needed to sit with and you needed to heal for yourself. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's so funny because looking back, I feel like I met Ben at a time where I was not being my best self and it was like, couldn't have been worse timing. And I really wish I could say like I manifested him in that exact moment and I probably did in some way, but I was not the best Mimi there is. I, I knew what I wanted in a partner. So I could have manifested him in that way. I remember the day before thinking to myself, oh, I want, you know, a beautiful, tall, dark and handsome British boy, you know, and I met him the next day. So maybe I manifested it in that way, but I was not being my best self. So it was really interesting that I had gotten such a gift <laughs> to meet him at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so beautiful. And I, if you believe in the universe, you believe in God, whatever it is, if you believe in a force that's bigger than yourself right? In essence, we're handed what we are handed to grow in the way that we need to grow. And we don't really have a, a ton of say over that. But because you were able to grow through that with him, that is such a gift because I do see, I see both camps, right? I see women who do the healing work outside of relationship. And then I also work with women who do the healing work inside of relationship. And again, it's just that commitment to growth. Like I think that that's hands down. And I know that that's one of probably one of your values, which is why you're here. I just really think that that in essence determines the success of any partnership, whether you're single or in a relationship. Definitely did the growth in the relationship during it. So let's, let's dive into losing love now. So you met someone, let's say, and you have great chemistry. You're really interested in each other and he's giving you the signs, but it's been a while and he hasn't made it official yet. He is, you know, telling you maybe he's not sleeping with anyone else, but he just will not use the girlfriend word or propose the girlfriend word. What do you do? So again, this goes back to claiming your worth and truly knowing what you were worthy of receiving and setting boundaries for yourself. So listen, it's normal for men to take a little bit longer. In fact, in my own relationship, when I met Sean, I knew, like I knew immediately the moment I met him, I'm like, Oh, this is what I've been waiting for. You are it. And I remember we had been dating back and forth going, we, dated long distance, but we had been going back and forth and been on several dates for about a month. And I told him, I was like, I'm it. I'm like, you're it for me. And I remember he looked at me and he said, okay, but I have like a slope and I'm not there yet. 
And in that moment, old Lauren would have been completely triggered because she would have thought that she wasn't being chosen. And so in that moment, I looked at him and I said, take as long as you need, but also know don't take too long because there will come a moment where I have to choose myself. And so I had to get really clear for myself about when that moment would be. And so I made a really clear line in the sand that he had traveled to me. I had traveled to him. We had done that about two or three times. I had about another month in me of traveling before I was probably going to start building some resentment. Mm. And so I made that clear line in the sand for myself, but I also, and this is important, I also made sure to clearly communicate that to him and how I was feeling right now. Needless to say, the next week I flew in and he was, he asked me to be his girlfriend over oysters at a restaurant. Right. So, but there was something about when he said, you know, when you gave me, when you were so clear on what you knew you were worth receiving and what that looked like for you, it helped me really gain clarity on, wait a second, she's really in this. Like she's ready to do this. If that's you, I would say, figure out your line in the sand, communicate this with the person that you are dating and know that, and this is the hard part, when that moment comes that you rub up to that line in the sand, if he has not committed, he is not for you. At least not in this moment, he's not for Mm -hmm. you because you deserve more than that if you're truly ready to date with intention. I guess some women are just worried that that intensity of giving a timeline and that pressure to the guy would just push them away. Yeah. And that might happen. And what I say to that is that that person is not meant for you because you deserve to be chosen. You deserve to be fully chosen. And if a man doesn't know truly, like if he doesn't know within three and a half, four months, whether you're it for him, you don't want to be with someone that doesn't fully choose you. You don't, that's you not claiming your worth. And that's coming from, again, a survival response of needing to be chosen in order to feel whole. You are whole without him and someone should be knocking down your door and be excited to choose you. And so you've got to stay grounded in your worth when it comes to that. It's so hard because, you know, as I think about my friends and my sister and everyone in my life that has gone through these types of things, and even me before I ever started dating Ben, it's like it can take a massive stab to your worth and your confidence if if someone is ghosting you or not wanting to commit to you. Tell me what kind of advice you would give to someone that might be going through this and doesn't want to let go because they're getting breadcrumbs and the guy seems great, but he just won't fully commit. So first off, we're human. So it's totally normal to feel upset if somebody is breadcrumbing you or if someone is ghosting you. And I'll say that this is a true sign that there is dysregulation in your nervous system that needs to be looked at and needs to be healed. Because the longer that you date from the space of needing that external validation, of needing to be chosen, of needing someone else to validate your worth, you're never going to actually have the deep, committed, aligned, conscious partnership that you probably desire. So there's something that happens when I work with women where when they come in, their history has been men who ghost and breadcrumb. And they are so broken over it, broken down, like they cannot function. And once we take a moment to look at where did this come from? Because nine times out of 10, Mimi, it came from your primary caretakers or something you experienced as a child that didn't leave you feeling safe and chosen and validated. Because what we know about the nervous system is between the ages of zero and 14, we truly learn how to love ourselves and love others 
through that which is modeled by our peers and our primary caretakers. And so if we have had what I call a relational rupture, because it's important for our mothers to love us, it's important for our fathers to love us and give us that sense of worthiness. If that wasn't there, or if there was a moment where that was ruptured as a child, then in essence, it will com- it will carry into your adult relationships and into your, your dating situations. So if you're not looking at those and looking at, oh, wait a second, when this guy breadcrumbs me, it's not about me. I'm just feeling that it's about me because I didn't receive that love and admiration as a child during this one moment or during this, you know, four or five stents during my younger years until we can kind of recognize our wounds for what they are and learn to regulate them. It will still feel like the breadcrumbing and the ghosting is about us when in essence, it's actually about him. It's not about you. It's about him. He's emotionally unavailable and unable to commit to you and or he doesn't feel worthy enough to use his voice to tell you that you're just not in alignment with what he wants and you're making it about you. But truly, it's about him and his wounds because he's afraid he's going to hurt you. Mm. So until we do that inner work, we're always going to think it's about us and it's never about us. It's not. Yeah. So let's move on to keeping love. What happens in our bodies? when we finally settle into a healthy relationship? So without getting too fancy and technical, a stable, healthy, committed relationship should feel like home. It should feel safe. And if you've never felt safe and home before, (laughs) that could feel really dysregulating to people. I always say that children who are raised in chaos are oftentimes triggered by peace and safety in relationships. I see so many women who do the nervous system regulation work and they find a healthy partner and all of a sudden it feels so foreign. They're like, oh my gosh, like it almost feels boring, but this person feels like home. It's because they're not riding that wave of chaos and crashing. And so when you're in healthy, committed partnership, there should feel this sense of like, I always feel safe with Sean. I feel safe. Even when we have arguments, even when things aren't going the way that we want them to go, there's never this sense of, oh my gosh, he's going to leave or, oh my gosh, I need to get out of this because we have a baseline of what we call ventral vagal connection. We have a baseline of safety within the relationship. So if you're finding yourself in a relationship where you're constantly in that space of, oh my gosh, he's going to leave, he's going to cheat, or oh my gosh, I need to get out of this. This is a true sign that there's dysregulation present. And if you want healthy partnership, you're going to have to figure out how to access safety within yourself so that you can come together and have safety safety as a partnership, as a couple. Mm. Oh, so good. What are some of the pillars of a successful long-term relationship? Hmm. So I would say, going back to what I just spoke about, the first one would be safety. It would be knowing what safety feels like inside of your own body. Having your partner know what safety feels like within their body. And then also being committed to safety as a couple and saying, you know what, I'm really activated right now and I really don't feel safe in my body. Like that has to be my number one priority. So if you can commit to safety as an individual and as a couple, it's going to save you from a lot in your partnership. The second thing that I would say, a second pillar would be really open communication. And Sean and I communicate about everything. But something that we do is ask each other, what do you need? How can I support you? We ask this daily. I'm always asking him, even in the morning, like, hey, I hope you have a great day. How can I support you today? What do you need? Same with him. He's always asking, how can I support you today? And even when we argue, Saying to the other person, that sounds really frustrating. How can I support you? So having that open line of constantly communicating how we're feeling, 
And also, what can I do to support you? Not fixing the other person, not giving advice to the other person, but simply saying, hey, I'm here. How can I support you? Does wonders for a relationship. So I would say pillar one is safety. Pillar two is open communication. And the third pillar I would say is intimacy and fun. You have to be able to A, access deep intimacy. And we're not just talking about sex when we talk about intimacy, right? You can cuddle with your partner and you can feel intimate with them. Doing things that bring you closer together is intimacy. So making sure that you have a practice to really feel into intimacy is so important and that you guys have fun together, that there are things on the calendar that you're doing that are fun. It's not just work and taking care of the things that need to be taken care of. So you really have to make sure that that's a priority when you're in healthy partnership. Mm, That's so great. What are your thoughts on cheating? And if you're in a long-term relationship, if someone cheats, do you think it's ever repairable? So cheating is a manifestation of trauma, right? When we look at, if we boil trauma down or if we boil cheating down, it's because someone doesn't feel a sense of wholeness within themselves. So they're going outside of their relationship to get a hit of validation to feel good, right? And oftentimes it's coming from a core wound. So do I think that cheating can be overcome in a relationship? Yes. If both partners are dedicated to growth work, to both seeing individual therapists, I would say do some SE work, do somatic experiencing, see a somatic therapist, get to the root of your core wounds. If both of you are dedicated to going to therapy separately and also going to therapy as a couple, I think it can be overcome. But usually in those situations, one partner is willing and the other is not. And if that's the case, nothing's going to shift because that person's going to continue to repeat patterns. They're going to continue to seek out that false sense of safety through external validation. And it doesn't matter what you do, has nothing to do with you again, they're going to keep seeking that out because their nervous system is conditioned to feeling safe in that space. It's a false sense of safety, but they're going to continue to seek it out. So if both partners are dedicated, I've seen it happen for sure. It makes the relationship stronger. If not, there's only one person, then it's, it may be time to exit the relationship. Right. All right. That's definitely an amazing way of explaining it. Let's move over to our quick fire round, and I'd like to do this as a red flag, green flag edition. All right? Perfect. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to read you a list of scenarios, and you tell me if this throws up a red or green flag. Okay. Someone puts down their ex-partner over dinner. Red flag? Major red flag. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They take a phone call during the date. Well, Mimi, I know this is rapid fire, but what kind of phone call is it? <laughs> we don't you know. know. He just picks up the phone. Yeah. You're in, he's like, one sec. Sorry, got to answer this. Red flag. Red flag. Red flag. But it's apparently now we know it's their elderly mother. <laughs> so I would say red flag if it's just an answer. Green flag if he tells you that it's his elderly mother and he needs to take a moment. Okay. Okay. So what about this one? You've had a fight and he asks for some space after. Green flag. Okay. But what if it's been a week? (laughs) Red flag. (laughs) It's been two months and you haven't met their friends. Hmm. Red flag. It's been three months and you still haven't met their family. Is there a yellow flag in there? Because it really just depends on... You can say yellow flag. It depends. It depends. Okay. Yellow flag on that one. Depends. He instantly responds to all of your texts. Like, I mean instantly. Red flag. <laughs> you are his first serious relationship. Ooh. The one before that, depending on the time and this one, are, are probably both yellow flags. It depends on how much work he's done prior to being in a relationship with you. Okay. So yellow flags for both. Okay. 
And maybe not a, this is not a red or green flag question, but if he cheated in his past relationship, are you doomed? No. If, 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 if he has done work on himself and has talked to you about his growth, because and I'll give this last little sentence, going with someone who has that pattern from the past without growth is just going to be a repeated pattern. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just going to be repeated over and over again. All right. And finally, I sometimes ask people what makes them feel superhuman, but this time I want to ask you what is something that we can do to make our partner feel superhuman? Tell them that they're loved. Tell them what you appreciate about them. And also give them the gift of safety within yourself. Know what that feels like so that they can experience that when they're with you. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Lauren, so much for coming on. This was such a valuable episode. Cannot wait to release this. Where can everyone find you? It was so great, Mimi. Thank you for having me. So you can find me on Instagram at Lauren Zoller. You can find me on TikTok at Coach Lauren Zoller. And you can also visit my website, laurenzoller.com to find out more. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. All right. That is all we have for now. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, we have hundreds more like it. So don't forget to subscribe and rate the show to ensure more episodes get targeted to you when you open up your podcast app. Bye for now.